Well, my goal today is relatively simple. I hope to convince you of the importance of persistence in prayer. Uh, I want you to see that God is greatly glorified when we continue to pray over and over again over a long period of time. But maybe say it another way, really, what I, I'm praying about as I thought of as I put this message together, was I want us to understand that we ought not to give up when we pray. Now, we can say that in a variety of different ways. I mean, one way we could say it is good and important that we not give up. Or second, God is greatly glorified when we do not give up. Now, with that being said, we're going to take a look at three scriptures this morning and a short little parable and see what we can learn. But we're going to start with this very these three scriptures. And here's scripture number one. You see it on the screen. It's from Ephesians chapter one. And it's Paul. And Paul is talking to the Ephesians. And this is a phrase that he says over and over, but he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, I hope you notice that little that little phrase. I keep asking. I keep asking. Now, Paul didn't believe that if you just made a prayer request, uh, you never had to make it again. Uh, When Paul prayed for the Ephesians, he praised this little prayer over and over and over again. And it's like he's almost a broken record when he's talking about the Ephesians. He does the same thing when he talks about, I keep praying for you guys in Philippi, or or when he talks to Timothy. And so when Paul prayed for the Ephesians, like I said, over and over again, that they would know God better. Now, sometimes I have heard it said by people in churches I've pastored, Uh, That since God knows everything we say before we say it, and he knows everything we think before we think it, which is true, by the way, that somehow we should never have to repeat ourselves in prayer. And that's the part that's not true. We do need to repeat some prayers from time to time. But friends, we don't pray to inform God of anything. I mean, God knows what we are thinking. Uh, long before we ever actually say our prayers out loud to him. So you might ask this question. I've had this question asked of me as a pastor before. If God knows everything, if God knows it all, why do we pray at all? I, and, and the simple answer is one that maybe you've heard before. It's because God is God and you're not. That's why you do it. That's why you do it. See, we pray to express our total and utter dependence on him. In every circumstance of life, I don't care what... What do you want to talk about? Whether it's, you know, trying to get back to Bolivia and take care of all of that kind of stuff, whether you know, deal with, you know, the passing of a mother. You know, whatever circumstance you're in, you know, we express our total dependence in every circumstance of life and say, Lord, I may not understand this. Lord, this doesn't make sense to me. Lord, this is how I feel at this time. Or, Lord, help these other people who are feeling differently than myself. You know, we continue to do this. So as we continue to pray for the same things, over and over and over again, I think the godly desires of our hearts just get stronger and they get stronger and stronger. And we're reminded that every day we really need to be totally 100% dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we can't live on yesterday's blessings and we can't depend on yesterday's prayers. So just like Paul, we keep on asking. And some of you have been doing that a whole long time in your life. 
I'm looking at a couple of people I think who've been praying one prayer, because I hear it quite often. You've been praying this prayer over and over and over again. And I think all of us could say, yeah, been there, prayed that, and still do it. Now, here's the second scripture. It comes from Matthew chapter 6. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, now we might say, well, then why bother? Well, that means we don't have to impress God with our big words or our long prayers or getting all the details correct or throwing out our flowery language with all the theists and Taoists and beseechers and Midists and all of that, that kind of stuff. Um, since God knows us through and through, he knows our needs even better than we do. And so he knew his he knew your needs even before you folded your hands and bowed your heads. Now, the Bible tells us that he numbers the stars in the sky, uh, the sand on the seashore. Uh, he knows the number of hairs on your head. Some of us he knows better than others. Um, but ponder that for a moment. Billions and billions of stars. And he knows the name of each and every one of them. Now, think how easily you get flustered on a Sunday morning here at Restore when you can't quite remember the name of the person you met last week. But God not only knows everybody who is here at Restore, uh, but he also knows each and every person who's attending worship everywhere in the world today. Now, more than that, he knows the names of all eight billion people that live on planet Earth today. And beyond that, he knows the names of everyone who's ever lived on planet Earth. And he knows the names of everybody that will eventually live on planet Earth. Now, if God knows all of that, do you think he's going to be surprised that you're worried about all kinds of stuff? He knows your thoughts before you even think them, your words before you even speak them. So pour out your heart. God is never going to go, oh my gosh, Lou was praying to... Oh, that caught me by surprise. He, that never happens. Never happens. Here's the third scripture. It comes from uh, Luke 18. Jesus told his disciples a story about how they should keep on praying and never give up. Uh, in the, If Jeff were here today, I would quote the King Jimmy to him, the King James, where it says, men should always pray and not faint. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting translation. See, persistent prayer, repetitive prayer, if you will, honors God because it expresses our complete dependence upon him. It's like, God, I can't handle this. I know you can't, and I'm going to come to you as long as it takes to get my prayer answered. And since God knows what we're going to ask, even before we ask it, we don't have to repeat ourselves to get his attention. But that's not the whole story here. We all know from personal experience that not all of our prayers are answered the very first time we pray them. You all figured that one out? The first time you prayed, it didn't happen right away. Uh, Sometimes we receive immediate answers. I mean, I've been praying that somebody would be released from the hospital, you know, and and get healed sooner. And as I'm praying, my phone is ringing. And somebody calls, uh, just pastor, you wanted to let you know that my mom is let out of the hospital this morning. So it's like, whoa, that was a quick answer to prayer. Uh, well, and I also know people that have prayed for years. They prayed for years to have loved ones and their families saved. And I know that because some people in churches I pastored where we've had little prayer cards, they wrote the same prayer request down on that card every week for years. Now, you might say, well, isn't that kind of a lack of faith that people keep pulling out the same cards? 
Now, we could probably say as we take prayer requests here this morning, oh my gosh, I heard this one last week, and I heard it the week before, and I heard it the week... <laughs> okay, does that express a lack of faith because we keep on bringing it up? I, I would say no. I mean, to the contrary, I think repetition is a proof of faith. You wouldn't be asking for prayer if you didn't believe somehow, some way, that God could answer that prayer and make it happen. Now, in order to help us even understand this a little bit more, let's get to the parable. This parable of the so-called pushy woman. The parable of a widow who would not give up. Now, I want you to understand something before we get a little deeper into this parable. That uh, widows had a really difficult position in the first century. They were quite literally totally unprotected. Uh, Many people who became widows in the days of Jesus... Uh, became homeless. Uh, They were destitute after their husbands died, and often they were even taken advantage of by con men, including some religious leaders, who, as Jesus said, there are some people in our town who devour widows' houses. This is a a sin that Jesus hammered pretty regularly. There's guys taking advantage of disadvantaged people. Now, in order to survive as a widow... Back in those days, you had to learn how to fend for yourself in a really male-dominated society. She could not count on anybody to come to her aid, and she had to assume that other people would quickly take advantage of her in her widowhood. And that's what we know about the widow in this story. We know she had an adversary. Jesus doesn't say what it is, but there's somebody who's bugging the heck out of this woman. She knew that she couldn't solve her own problem. She was extremely persistent, and she had a genuine need, and she got, eventually, what she needed. But remember, there's a judge in this story, too. What do we know about this this guy? Well, we know that this guy did not fear God. We know that he did not respect people. He didn't respect man. We also know that he was unrighteous. He was not a believer, if you will. And he did not care two bits about this widow woman. And five, he was unwilling to help. At first, at first. Now, evidently, the facts of the case don't move him. He has, he has no reason to see that justice should be done. And to him, she was just another bothersome woman. And I want you to hope you note the key point. His only motive to help her was what? It was utterly selfish. That's the only reason he finally gave in. He only helped her because this woman was wearing him out. She was just nagging on him day in and day out. She was what you call prayerfully persistent. That's a nice euphemism, isn't it? She kept coming and coming and coming again. She kept bothering him and bothering him and bothering him until he he says, This woman is going to beat me down with her continual coming. Now, from beginning to end, this guy does not care one bit about this woman. And he doesn't feel her pain. He doesn't worry that she's not receiving justice. He only gives her what she wants because he's worn out. He, she just keeps coming and bugging him and bothering him. I mean, in the morning it was, give me justice. In the afternoon, it was, give me justice. And in the evening, it was, give me justice. Maybe she banged on his door at night and said, I'm still looking for justice. Now, you've got to give this widow woman some credit. She never gave up. 
and she eventually got exactly what she wanted. But I also want to give the judge just a little bit of credit here, too. He gave her justice, even if he did it for the wrong reason. So this is a pretty simple, true-to-life story. The woman got through to the uncaring judge and got what it is that she deserved. So now you look at that story and you say to yourself, well, that's kind of interesting, that's kind of funny. I know a lot of pushy women who would nag me into submission as well. Been there, done that, that kind of stuff. And sometimes you say, well, yeah, I understand what that's like. You know, people pester me long enough. I just find out I could care less what they want. I'm just going to say, fine, go ahead, do it. So what is the moral of this story? Well, in order to get to the lesson that Jesus intends, we need to understand two really key points. And key point number one is we are all like the widow in need. We need to know that our problems are always two sizes larger than us. No matter what we do, sometimes things only get worse. And there are times when the whole world seems to be conspiring against us and piling on us when we're down. Now, we can go days or weeks or months or even years thinking we could somehow solve our own problems. We don't, God, you just move over here to the side. I don't need you right now. I can do this myself. But the line between happiness and tragedy is a is a mighty skinny little line. It only takes one phone call. It's all it would take in your life. One phone call to put you face down, begging for God to give you relief. That's one key. We're like the widow. We are in need. But here's the second key. God is not, underline that, God is not like this unjust judge. I'm going to read you what I wrote down here. I wasn't going to say it. He was an uncaring jerk. <laughs> That's pretty harsh. But he was an uncaring jerk who lacked any thread of decency. He had no compassion whatsoever. And he just he just gave in because he was sick and tired of this woman coming to it. I mean, <laughs> the question is, why would Jesus use an illustration like this? And this is crazy. It's a crazy story. Well, I I mean, Jesus seems to be calling us to persistent in prayer by using his example, a man who is nothing like our Heavenly Father. That doesn't seem right. Now, the answer is, if persistence wins over an unjust man, think what it does with a father who actually loves us and cares about us. Big difference. See, persistence works on earth And it works even better in heaven. And so Jesus brings the point home. He's going to ask three questions. He said, will not God bring about justice in your life? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, Will God keep putting us off? The answer is no. Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? And the answer, if you've listened before, is maybe, maybe not. So a question for all of us today is when the Son of Man comes. Let's say the Son of Man decides to come this afternoon, provided it be after lunch and after the movie we hope to go to. Uh, But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in Restore? Uh, Will he find faith in your family? Will he find faith in your heart? That's the question. Well, if if we believe that God, we believe that God is God, he already knows the answer to this question. 
Now, I've already said that this unjust judge uh, is not like our Heavenly Father. I mean, thank God he's not like our Heavenly Father. Yet the judge is like him in one respect, and we will not fully understand this parable until we kind of grasp onto a couple pieces of truth. One of these is that the unjust judge delayed his answer for unjust reasons. Our Heavenly Father delays his answers for righteous reasons. In other words, there's a reason behind the delays in our prayers. So what else could Jesus mean when he refers to the elect who cry out to God day and night? That was part of the text. Would you find yourself in that position that you've cried out day and night over some things for an extended period of time? See, sometimes God does seem to be like that unrighteous judge. We, we, we pray and we pray and we cry for our loved ones and it's like uh, they shut the prayer window in heaven and said, be back in uh, 48 hours, something like that. And I think even the most righteous person, whatever person that would be, experiences periods where it seems like God is really far away and sometimes you almost get to the point where you think God doesn't really care about me anymore. And there's no way around this reality, and we shouldn't deny ever feeling that way or pretend that that feeling isn't in our lives from time to time. So the question is, is not, is God like this unjust judge? The answer is no, he's not. The question is rather, what will we do when it seems to us that he's acting like the unjust judge? Will we give up, say the heck with you, God, or will we just pray on? Well, we persist in prayer. Now, I don't think this parable makes any sense at all apart from a full theology of God as Father who not only loves us, but who also knows what's best for us. And the sooner we learn that, the better off we are. So here we kind of come up against the, I call the bedrock of God's sovereignty. And it's precisely at this point that good theology saves us. You see, if we think God is like this uncaring judge, then we will get angry and we're just plain simple going to stop praying. Okay, God, you're not going to answer my prayers. The heck with you. If we think we have to talk God into loving us, we'll become nothing but cynical Christ followers. But if we think our persistence will convince God to do something he wouldn't otherwise do, then we're going to end up thinking that our prayers are more powerful than God is. But, always a but, right? But, if we believe that God truly is Father Almighty, who loves us without limit, who knows what's best for us, then we will cry out to him day and night for as long as it takes, believing that when he does answer, it will come speedily, quickly, and just in the nick of time. So if we're going to pray for persistence, why then is persistence important? Well, let me give you two reasons, two insights. One is the one who knows the answer must be able to give it. You know who has the answer? It's the Father. The one who seeks it, you and me, need to be able to receive it, whatever answer we get. I don't know how many of you are persistent. Now, sometimes we, we, we use the word persistent as kind of a negative thing. It's like we, we, we use other words like, this person keeps bugging me or nagging me or harassing me or in my face all the time. But to be persistent, persistent is the great instructor in the school of Christian growth. 
God doesn't become more willing to answer simply because of our persistence, but we may become more capable of, of actually receiving the answer. See, persistent prayer does not change God, but I'd say persistent prayer is what really changes us. It purifies our motives. You know, have you ever prayed for something, you know, some specific thing, and you didn't get an answer, you prayed for it again, and you thought, maybe I could pray for that slightly different, leave out a few of the words of demanding of God. <laughs> and, have, and so you kind of adjust your prayers a little bit, and you kind of clean up your motives for whatever it is you're praying for. It, it forces us to confront our helplessness, too. Uh, I still remember somebody coming to me and telling me one time, he said, He's telling me this their big problem. It was a big problem. And I said, have you prayed about it? And the person said, oh, pastor, has it come to that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you could have saved my time. <laughs> but has it come to that? Well, certainly. It forces us to say, I can't do this. It distinguishes between deep-seated desires and what I call momentary whims. Uh, it, it makes us ready to receive God's power to receive his answer and it humbles us and this is really we don't like this very much but sometimes it humbles us so that it's God who gets the glory in this situation and not us because we were oh, we were persistent in prayer we out, we outsmarted God in this one ha now a lot of prayers if we're on, if we're honest we probably shouldn't even pray these prayers because they're so shallow if God answered every prayer the first time we prayed I think we'd become pretty complacent in our faith. But because God conditions his answers on our persistence at times, we realize how helpless we are and how totally dependent upon him for everything. Now, you don't have to, have to say this out loud, but I want you to think for a moment. What are you praying hardest about right now? In your everyday life, what are you praying? I mean, the answer shouldn't be, how long is this sermon going to last? But what have you been praying for right now? See, whatever is on that list, let me add one more thing to your list, whatever you're praying about. Write this on your list. Pray for persistence. I may be praying for my mother or my father or my kids or uh, this or this or this. Well, that's fine. Keep on praying. But then also tag on and by the Lord. By the way, Lord, teach me to pray for persistence. Pray with what I call gritty determination to hang on to the Lord until God gives the answer. Or until God changes the circumstances. Or God removes the burden altogether. Persistence in prayer. So yes, friends, God is glorified when we do not give up in prayer. The last thing I want to say to you is this. Not all of our prayers have been answered. Yet. Yet. Keep on praying.